Welcome to Good Faith Reads. I'm your host, Cliff Vaughn, the media producer at Good Faith Media. Good Faith Reads is a short podcast released twice a month in which we focus on one of our book authors at Good Faith Media. We've published more than 100 titles under our Nurturing Faith book imprint, and we invite you to check them out at goodfaithmedia.org bookstore. Today's guest is Leroy Spinks, author of Abba Father, Viewing Atonement Through the Jesus Lens. He's joining us remotely from Ringgold, Georgia. Leroy, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be here, Cliff. I'm, I enjoyed our previous conversation. I'm looking forward to this one. Me too. So let's get started. Uh, our standard question, how we kick things off. Tell us in a couple of sentences what this book, Abba Father, is about. Well, I started out to write about the doctrine of the atonement. But in the process of studying what Jesus said about it, I decided that uh, the church doctrine of the atonement, which means an act by which God uh, was enabled to forgive us, is a mistake. It's a misunderstanding of the New Testament teaching. And the New Testament does teach about atonement in the sense of at one reconciliation. And... Uh, the theme of this book is that uh, Jesus didn't teach about the atonement at all, but he did, although he didn't even use, never use the word, <laughs> he uh, did teach about atonement in the sense of that one month or reconciliation with God. I think it would be important for you to say even more about what atonement really is, especially with a view toward those who aren't as familiar with the Christian faith or even those who are Christians, but they just have not thought much intentionally about what this faith claim is supposed to mean for them in their faith. You have some examples of how people hear references to atonement, you know, on a, on a typical Sunday morning, perhaps in a, in a Baptist church, uh, you know, a prayer by a deacon that certainly resonated with me and my experience. For basically the last 500 years in Protestantism, uh, Protestant churches have uh, taught and preached that because we have sinned against God, we have offended God, and therefore we have to have God's forgiveness, God's salvation in order to spend eternity with him in heaven. But God has a problem. Uh, <laughs> He can't just forgive our sins. Our sins have to be paid for. They have to be atoned for. And Jesus Christ did that by dying on the cross. He paid our sin debt, and that makes it possible for God to forgive us our sin without denying his justice, his righteousness. That's been the traditional uh, doctrine of the church ever since Calvin and Luther. Calvin and Luther both taught that. And uh, that's been the standard doctrine of the church, for like, of the Protestant church for the past 500 years. And that's what I'm dealing with. And that's actually the doctrine I deny. <laughs> that is not the teaching of Jesus or of the New Testament. Certainly as one who grew up in the church, I grew up and often it was explained or this idea of Jesus had to die. Well, this was the way it had to be. Um, and I confess that it... I always had in the back of my mind the question, well, why did it have to be this way? Um, and the answers were not always satisfying, if I'm, if I'm being honest. I was understanding that I had to enter some sort of mental framework or 
religio-logical framework in which I had to embrace the fact that it had to be this way. And, and so your book offers another avenue, but to be clear and correct me if I'm wrong, in Abba Father, you're not saying, well, here's Jesus is, here is the Jesus view of atonement. You're saying that the New Testament doesn't really set forth that Jesus had a view of atonement like we've been talking about it for centuries. Yeah, that's exactly right. Jesus uh, never even used the word atonement. He didn't even use the word reconciliation. I, I'm defining atonement in terms of reconciliation. But that was Paul's word. Uh, Paul's the only writer of New Testament that even used that word. Uh, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's translated atonement one time in the King James. And uh, other translations will occasionally translate it as atonement. But it just means reconciliation. Like a man and his wife become estranged and separate. And if they come back together, they reconcile. And that's the, uh, that's the idea of that word. I was also, uh, I quote this in the book, Richard Dawkins in his book, the, uh, the God Delusion, raises the question, which uh, was sort of jerked me up short when I read it a few years ago. He said, if God wants to forgive us, why doesn't he just forgive us? Why did he have to get himself horribly tortured to death to do it? Well, it was a good question. And it really uh, pushed me to think about our doctrine of atonement. And although I had, I had never preached that view of it, uh, he made me think about it <laughs> a little bit more. This book is part of the Jesus Worldview Initiative, uh, as is your previous book with us, The Jesus Lens, which you also wrote. Um, can you talk a bit about the metaphor of family when dissecting the life and particularly the relationships of Jesus? Just talk more about the, the, the metaphor of family and why that is important, uh, both for you and your reading of Scripture. In researching this book, I noticed something that I really not ever noticed before that um, it's become very prominent uh, in recent teaching and preaching to point out that Jesus talked about the kingdom. But um, I realized that actually Jesus talked about God as father and us as the family of God more often than he talked about the kingdom. For instance, in the Sermon on the Mount, common to say the Sermon on the Mount is about the doctrine of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. But Jesus talks about God as Father twice as often in the Sermon on the Mount as he talks about the kingdom. And um, it seems to me that, that Jesus talked about the kingdom because his contemporaries talked about the kingdom and looked forward to the coming of Messiah and Messiah's kingdom. But when he talked about the kingdom, he didn't talk about the kingdom being ruled by a king, but by a father. Well, the kingdom that a father rules over is his family. And Jesus talks about us as the family of God and brothers and sisters. And uh, in my father's house are many mansions. <laughs> He's even speaking of heaven as the gathering of the family together. And so it seems to me that the more I dug into this and the more I studied the New Testament and particularly the Gospels with a fresh eye, I realized that Jesus was all about God as Father and us as the family of God. 
uh, rather than any legalistic sense or even a political sense of the kingdom. We'll be right back in 30 seconds with more Good Faith Reads. Lot Carey is proud to bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest pastors coast to coast. Our new podcast, Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, delivers wisdom from the Black church for the whole church. Find us wherever you get your podcasts or listen online at lotcary.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot org. We look forward to the pilgrimage with you. Welcome back to Good Faith Reads. Today we're joined remotely by Leroy Spinks, author of the Good Faith Media book, Abba Father, Viewing Atonement Through the Jesus Lens. I'm Cliff Vaughn of Good Faith Media. Leroy, talk about the process of writing this book. How did it differ from, rely on, relate to, if at all, your book, The Jesus Lens, uh, and the process for writing that book or any overarching themes or approaches on these books? Just talk about process. Well, the the book of Jesus Lens focused on reading the Bible through the eyes of Jesus. And I approached the, this uh, topic a little bit in that book, but I didn't have space or time to uh, dig into it a lot. In this book, I just really continued the process that I began with the Jesus Lens. And I wanted to look specifically at the gospel. What is the gospel in the eyes of Jesus? And um, when I, this is basically what I preached my whole life, but I came to a new statement, <laughs> a new understanding, fresh understanding of, of what I had preached my entire ministry. And as I look at the way Jesus looked at the gospel, the good, the gospel was simply the good news that God loves you. Uh, it's a really simple message, but um, we've made it complicated. <laughs> we've uh, attached so many doctrines to it. And it's interesting that Jesus in talking to the scribes and Pharisees talked about how they had laid so much legalism on top of the Hebrew revelation that they had uh, spoiled it. Uh, we've laid so many doctrines on top of Jesus' teachings that we've spoiled it. And his message is simply that God loves us and uh, God and Jesus is calling us back to himself. What is our problem, Leroy? Why do we complicate the simple? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> we just, uh, maybe it's the nature of uh, theologians that, uh, and I sort of count myself, I'm not a professional theologian, but I, I think theologically. And, um, so I think it's the, almost the nature of people who think theologically to take the simple and make it complicated. I know a fellow that says um, uh, intellectuals take the simple and make it complicated. Poets take the complicated and make it simple. And he, he's frequently saying that to me just as a, a dig at me, just teasing me. But I think it's true. I think we, uh, if we tend to think of things in an intellectual way, you just make things that should be fairly simple, complicated. And the gospel is simple. God loves you and calls you back into fellowship with the family. 
we're going to circle back around to the power of poetry and words and narrative in just a moment. An important note to all of our listeners, we at Good Faith Media are always accepting book proposals. Our authors engage with an experienced team of editors, designers, and marketers to produce and sell books on a variety of topics. If you have a book proposal you'd like to run by us, head on over to goodfaithmedia.org bookstore for more information. That's goodfaithmedia.org bookstore. Leroy, I'm going to read an excerpt. This comes from page 111 of the book. It was one of my favorite couple of lines. Here it is. Quote, when the gospel collides with our contemporary culture, Christians have the choice of confronting and alienating, corrupting through ignorance, or translating sympathetically. We are blessed, however, to stand at a point in history when our culture actually coincides with that original Hebraic culture of Jesus in at least two significant ways. First, our culture, like that of Jesus, is a narrative culture, at least the postmodern generation is. Secondly, our culture desires love above all else. We desire love even above success. We may not always act like it, but we do. End quote. When I read this, I knew I just wanted to hear you say more about these keys to the gospel or keys to the life of Jesus, stories and love. Well, one of the gospel writers says that Jesus taught them with parables and without a parable, he did not teach them. <laughs> he never taught any other way, in other words. And a parable is just a story. Uh, and it seems to me that people, um, people like stories. Uh, and they respond to a story far more, far more, far better than they respond to a doctrine. And uh, I had a man tell, I was surprised years ago when I heard a man talking about country music. And he likes the country music that, that tells a story. And it just struck me when he, when he said that, that he liked a storyline uh, in a country song. I think most people are that way. We like stories. And the story of Jesus really communicates if we just let Jesus tell his story uh, as through the Gospels. Yeah, I mean, your, your read of Jesus is that he did not, your read based on the evidence we have from the Gospels, is that he did not go around pontificating much about doctrine. Rather, he was healing people and telling stories. That's right. And the uh, content of his teaching and preaching, the story he told was about God, his father. He was constantly talking about your father, my father, our father. <laughs> and uh, then he contrasted uh, our father, God, with their father, the, the father of the scribes and Pharisees, who was Abraham. <laughs> he contrasted, uh, made that contrast. Leroy, the title of the book is Abba Father, and you've talked about Jesus in relationship to God using the word father. In the book, you you address the usage of father and, and gender-specific language a bit. Do you have a word to say about that now for our listeners? Yes. Of course, in Jesus' day, that was uh, not, a, not a problem. Uh, in our day, people have problems with that in, in two different, well, actually three different ways. Uh, those of us who want to be true to the Bible, uh, tend to refer to God as Father. That's the way Jesus referred to him. So we we talk to him about that, talk about God that way. But a lot of men have a problem with that because they have 
been raised by fathers who were not loving. And uh, in the 11th chapter, I discussed this. I had a friend one time that saying he had a hard time conceptualizing God. And very naively, I was real young at the time. I said, well, I just think of God as my father. He said, oh, if you knew my old man, you could never think of God that way. And then he began to tell me about his father, and it really startled me. I just had never thought of that. And he said, if I thought of God as being like my dad, I could never love him. And I thought, wow. And then um, women have come up with problems because they've experienced men and maybe even fathers in uh, less than optimal ways. Uh, men abusing them, either physically or emotionally or sexually. And so women have a problem with that, that image. But it seems to me that, uh, well, in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk about Jesus preaching about the kingdom. John uh, talks about Jesus speaking about eternal life. And it's striking to me that he begins with Jesus speaking of the kingdom at the beginning of the gospel and at the end of the gospel. But between those two mentions at the beginning and the end, he has Jesus talking about eternal life, making it plain to me that he's translating the kingdom into eternal life. And that doesn't just mean life in eternity. It means the life, God's kind of life now and in eternity. But I think we can do the same thing. We can take Jesus' metaphor of God as Father, the loving Father, and just speak of God as love. And John himself does that in his uh, little epistle of 1 John. He says, God is love. And um, I comment in the book that <laughs> that comes so close to being the literal truth that almost ceases to be a metaphor. <laughs> and uh, so I think that we can... Uh, if uh, speaking of God as Father is problematic, then uh, we can just simply drop that metaphor and simply talk about God loving. God is love. And uh, so I think that, that Jesus' metaphor, while it might present some problems in some context, can easily be translated into a way of speaking today that communicates. Right. When you get to the point in your book where you reference first John and the, the line God is love and say that this does, you know, almost move beyond metaphor into almost literal truth. I, I remember making a note uh, saying, well, I guess we can all uh, stand on the side of the literalists at this point and uh, dispense with any accusation. So I'll take it. God is love, literal truth. I'm on board. Um, all right, as we wind up, I wonder, Leroy, if you might read for us a, a favorite passage of yours from the book. So read us a passage and then comment on it on the other side. Well, I'm going to read chapter 11, pages 103 and 104, because it just encapsulates the book in a way that, that I like. Uh, <laughs> I guess I do because I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good book. You should be proud of it. We are. But uh, anyway. Selection is from the bottom of the page, 103. A restatement of Jesus' idea of God and atonement might be this. God loves us and has pursued us all the way to the cross to bring us into the family of God. God loves you, whether male or female, straight or gay or lesbian or transgender, black or white, 
American or Chinese, Christian or Muslim or Jew or Hindu, atheist or agnostic. Whoever you are, God loves you and desires a personal relationship with you. God so desires that relationship as to embody the totality of divine nature in Jesus of Nazareth, to reveal that self-sacrificing love, to embody that love in action, and to bestow God's love by pursuing the human race all the way to the cross. Then why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't God simply forgive us without the cross? Well, Jesus proclaimed that God did forgive us without the cross, before the cross. If Jesus had not come, however, how would we have recognized that forgiveness? In order to communicate his grace, bestow his forgiveness, and draw us to receive his fellowship, God embodied all he is in Jesus of Nazareth and pursued us all the way to the cross. The cross was not necessary for God's sake, but for ours. God did not need the cross to forgive us, but we needed the cross to recognize and receive God's grace, forgiveness, and fellowship. And this is my understanding of the gospel Jesus preached. And there's a, you may have noticed that there's one expression in there that comes up three times and had one uh, excerpt all the way to the cross. And that's my concept of, of what the cross is. The cross is not the payment of a sin debt. It's God pursuing us all the way. Well, it's a wonderful thing to be pursued by love and to have the opportunity to pursue love yourself. And this book um, speaks volumes, and I gained a better understanding of what I have heard my whole life, um, as well as uh, new interpretations that I think um, speak more fully and attractively to other people. Um, So I'm grateful for the book, Leroy. Well, thank you. Our guest today on Good Faith Reads has been Leroy Spinks, author of Abba Father, Viewing Atonement Through the Jesus Lens. The book, along with more than 100 other titles, is available as both a print book and ebook at goodfaithmedia.org bookstore. Leroy, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for the invitation, Cliff. <laughs>